So as Jonathan noted, we're starting a brand new series message, uh, message uh, today, a new series of messages, and we're going to start with a scripture, and that is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's not very long, but it's significant. Vamos a comenzar con Genesis capítulo 2, versículos 8 y 9. And actually, just so you know, we're going to kind of be camping in the first three chapters of Genesis this morning. So we'll be in this, in this general vicinity. Vamos a acampar en los primeros tres capítulos de Génesis. So you want to have your Bibles open to the first couple chapters of Genesis as we go along. I'm going to read first in Spanish, and then we'll read the same scripture in English. Voy a leer primero el texto en español. This is God's word, God's wonderful holy word. So let's listen carefully to it. Escuchemos cuidadosamente la palabra de Dios. Dice, Dios el Señor plantó un jardín al oriente del Edén y allí puso al hombre que había formado. Dios el Señor hizo que creciera toda clase de árboles hermosos, los cuales daban frutos buenos y apetecibles. En medio del jardín hizo crecer el árbol de la vida y también el árbol del conocimiento del bien y del mal. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So uh, it was about three, four weeks ago, end of last month, I had one of those days. Tuve un día frustrante hace unas semanas. I think you know what kind of day I'm talking about. You know, one of those days where uh, something goes wrong and then it derails the whole rest of your day. Nobody's had those, right? Yeah, we've all had those. Tuve algo que pasó que me descarriló el resto del día. So it was in the afternoon. I was uh, food shopping. I was at the grocery store. I got a whole mountain of groceries. I go out to the car and I get in the car. I try to start the car. The car doesn't start. Voy de compras y el carro no quiere ponerse en marcha. So, on the dash of the car, there's this weird message. Había un mensaje en el tablero. It said, quote, immobilizer control malfunction. That sounds really serious. Mal funcionamiento del control inmovilizador, decía. So, thank God for smartphones. I started looking it up and... Basically, what I learned about that message is it means the car doesn't recognize the key. El carro no reconoce la llave. Now, that didn't sound right because I was using the same key I've always used for my car. Era la misma llave de siempre. So I kept digging a little bit, and I discovered that this is the message that comes up many times when the car's battery is dying. Ese mensaje que indica que está muriendo la batería del carro. You see, evidently, when the car's battery is low, there's not enough juice, there's not enough power going to the car's computer to recognize the key and start the car. No hay suficiente poder de la batería de la computadora del carro para así reconocer la llave. So at that point, it started to become clear what was going on. My wife came, gave me a jump start. I got home, and the rest of the evening literally was spent in, 
you know, hunting down a battery and getting it in my car. Mi esposa me, me puso, uh, me dio un arranque, ¿verdad? Y fui a la casa para comprar una batería. And yes, that is exactly what the problem was. It fixed the problem. So, in that predicament, with my groceries melting in 100 plus degree heat, the key to starting my car was not in my pocket. The key to starting that car was not in my hand. En ese momento, la llave del carro no estaba en mi bolsillo. You could say the key to starting my car was under the hood. La llave para, para poner marcha carro estaba bajo el capó. That was the key. The battery, in a sense, was the key. The battery, in a sense, was the key to the key to get my car going. La batería era la clave de la llave. I needed to have a battery with enough power so that the car could recognize the key and then start the car. Tenía que tener una batería con suficiente poder. Now, as I think about that, that incident, that bad day that I had, it occurs to me that there's a comparison to be made here with the Christian faith. Una comparación con la fe cristiana. In order for us to, to kind of get started in our relationship with Jesus, in order for us to get going and to gain momentum in our relationship with God in the Christian life, we have been given an incredible key. Tenemos una llave para ponernos en marcha con el Señor. It's the Bible, right? The Bible is the key. La Biblia es como la llave. And as we said last week, the Bible is the key because what does the Bible do? It reveals to us the, the full and final truth that we find in Jesus Christ. The, the Bible shows us who Jesus is, what he's done for us in dying on the cross and rising from the dead. The Bible tells us how to follow Jesus, how to have a relationship with him and how to experience abundant life as we do that. La Biblia nos dice que es Jesús que ha hecho al morir y resucitar por nosotros. ¿Cómo seguirlo? Y tal. So the Bible is the key. But over the years as a pastor, I've noticed something with some people. And that is that when some people begin to use this key of the Bible, they are disappointed. Algunas personas que usan la llave de la Biblia y quedan desilusionadas. They're disappointed because when you start opening up the pages of the Bible, it just seems like there's so much information to absorb and, and people get discouraged sometimes. People become overwhelmed. La gente se desanima por tanta información. I mean, think about it. In the Bible, we've got so many stories, so many characters, so many commandments, so many promises, so many prayers, so many prophecies coming at us. It, it can be just a bit overwhelming. All that detail can, can become confusing sometimes for people. Hay tantos uh, personajes, tantas historias, tantas promesas, tantos mandamientos. Es algo que está un poco agobiante. And so when that happens, then it seems like some people, not everyone, but some people, as much as they try, they just can't seem to get the engine of understanding to turn over as they look at the Bible. It just seems to be too much. Algunas personas les cuesta como poner en marcha el motor de la comprensión de la Biblia. So, what's the problem? ¿Cuál es el problema? 
I don't believe for a minute the problem is that the Bible is boring. I don't believe that. This book is exciting. La Biblia no es aburrida. I don't believe for a moment the problem is that the Bible is just confusing. I don't believe the Bible is confusing. No es que la Biblia sea confusa. It's not that the, the Bible is impossible for us to understand. It is not impossible for us to understand the Bible. The Bible is clear in its message. La Biblia no es imposible de entender. So what is the problem? Well, the problem, I think, is that like my car, people, for one reason or another, are lacking in the power to recognize the key. In other words, they are lacking in the ability to, to really see the big picture, the powerful big message of the Bible that makes all of the little details fit, that makes all the little uh, pieces of the Bible come together into one powerful unit and one unified message. Faltan de la capacidad del poder reconocer la llave, o sea, el mensaje, el panorama general de lo que es la Biblia. The problem that people experience, I think, is that they need the key to the key. Necesitan la clave de la llave. So, what is that? That's the question. ¿Qué es eso? Well, I think it could be summarized in just a simple phrase. A simple phrase that I think occupies the entire message of the Bible and can enable us to see things clearly. And that simple phrase is the kingdom of God. El reino de Dios. The kingdom of God. I believe that that is the key that unlocks the key of what the scriptures are all about. It's la clave de la llave de lo que son, de lo que es la Biblia. And so over the next couple of months, I would like to invite us all together to join in, an, in a journey of exploring what the Bible has to say about the kingdom of God through a series of messages that we're simply entitling your kingdom come. Les invito a explorar lo que es el reino de Dios en una, una serie que venga tu reino. So to do that, we got to start out with this question. What is the kingdom of God? Que es el reino de Dios? There's a Bible scholar by the name of Patrick, Ryan, uh, Patrick Schreiner who has written about this, and he says that over the years, there have been a number of attempts to define what the kingdom of God is. Un autor, Patrick Scheiner, dice que hay muchos, muchas maneras de definir el reino de Dios. He says that, that some people over the years have said the kingdom of God is all about going to heaven. Going to heaven. Heaven, that's the kingdom of God. Algunos dicen que es el cielo, ir al cielo, ese es el reino. Others have said, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is really about the church on earth. The church, that's the kingdom of God. Otros dicen, la, la iglesia en la tierra es el reino de Dios. And then there are others who say, no, no, the kingdom of God is all about social action. It is about us as God's people doing good in the world. You know, feeding the, the hungry and caring for the poor and healing the sick and doing those kinds of things. That's the kingdom of God. Otro dicen es la acción social, el dar de comer a los pobres, a los hambrientos y, y ayudar a los, a los enfermos. And then there are some who say, no, no, the kingdom of God is all about God 
setting up his throne and ruling in your heart. It, it's something inside you. It's something personal. It's something individual. Otro dicen que se trata de Dios, que Dios tenga su trono en su vida. So which one of those is right? Patrick Schreiner says, and I would agree, they're all right to some degree, but the reality is that the kingdom of God, when we think about it, is all of that and so much more. It's bigger than we realize. El reino de Dios es todo eso y aún más. So we'll ask the question again. What exactly is the kingdom of God? ¿Qué es el reino de Dios? Well, I think we can find some good answers here in the very first book of the Bible, and that's where I want to go right now, to the, to the book of Genesis. Vamos a mirar en Genesis, and there we learn that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and en principio Dios creó los cielos y la tierra. And on the sixth day of creation, Genesis 1.26 says something important. Genesis 1.26 dice algo. It says, God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. El sexto día dijo, Dios, hagamos al ser humano a nuestra imagen y semejanza, que tenga dominio sobre los peces del mar, las aves del cielo, los animales domésticos y salvajes, sobre todo los reptiles que se arrastran por el suelo. So here we're told God creates People. He creates a man and a woman in his image. Dios crea un hombre y una mujer a su imagen. And what does he create them to do? To rule. To express God's power, God's authority, God's order over the rest of creation. Les crea para tener dominio, para expresar el poder y autoridad de Dios sobre la creación. Okay, so we got people created to rule for God. Let's keep that in mind as we go to Genesis 2, 8, and 9, the scripture we read before. I'm going to read it again. This was Genesis 2, 8. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. El Señor plantó un jardín al oriente del Edén, y allí puso al hombre que había formado. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Dios el Señor hizo que creciera toda clase de árboles hermosos que daban frutos buenos y apetecibles y en medio del jardín hizo crecer el árbol de la vida y también el árbol del conocimiento del bien y del mal. So, what do we have here? Okay, first of all, we have people, right? People created in God's image. People created to rule. Tenemos personas creadas a imagen de Dios. And we've got a place a place, a perfect place, a perfect garden, the Garden of Eden. Tenemos un lugar perfecto, Eden. And in that place, in the middle of it, there are two very special trees. Hay dos árboles especiales. The tree that provides life perpetually, the tree that provides eternal life, and the tree that provides the knowledge of good and evil. El árbol de la vida eterna y el árbol que provee el conocimiento de bien y mal. So with that in mind, we go to Genesis 2.15. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
Dios el Señor tomó al hombre y lo puso en el jardín del Edén para que lo cultivara y lo cuidara. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Le dio este mandato, puedes comer de todos los árboles del jardín, pero el árbol del conocimiento del bien y del mal, no comerás, no deberás comer de este árbol. El día de que, que de él comas, ciertamente morirás. So uh, again, let's summarize. Here in this perfect place, okay, you got perfect place, you've got perfect people with a perfect purpose. And the purpose is show God's rule, show God's power by taking care of his garden. Tenemos el lugar perfecto, personas perfectas con un propósito perfecto de cuidar del huerto de Edén y mostrar el poder de Dios. Enjoy the garden. Enjoy God. Enjoy life. But there's one proviso. Gocen de una relación con Dios y con el jardín, pero hay una provisión. The tree that gives the knowledge of good and evil is not yours. That belongs to God. God is the king, and therefore he alone has the ability and the right to dictate what is good and what is not, what is right and what is not. Solo Dios el rey tiene el poder de dictar lo que es bueno y no, así que no toquen, no coman del fruto del conocimiento del bien y del mal. Trust God. Let God tell you what to do, what is good and what is not. After all, he is the king, and this is his kingdom. Dios es el rey, y este es su reino. By the time we turn the page to Genesis 3, this is all starting to fall apart. Genesis 3, eso empieza a disolverse. And it begins to happen when the serpent tempts the woman to eat from the forbidden tree, from the forbidden fruit. La serpiente tienta la mujer de comer de fruto prohibido. Genesis 3, verse 4. Genesis 3, 4. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Pero la serpiente le dijo a la mujer, no es cierto, no van a morir. Dios sabe muy bien que cuando coman de este árbol, se les abrirán los ojos y llegarán a ser como Dios, conocedores del bien y del mal. And then verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. La mujer vio que el fruto del árbol era bueno para comer y que tenía buen aspecto y era deseable para adquirir sabiduría. Así que tomó de su fruto y comió. Luego le dio a su esposo y también él comió. So what happened? ¿Qué pasó? The woman and the man took their eyes off of God and put their eye on the forbidden fruit. Not only that, they took their ears off of God and they put their ears on the serpent. E quitaron sus ojos de, de, de Dios y los pusieron al fruto y sus oídos de Dios los pusieron en la serpiente. 
They were attracted to that tree. They were attracted to that fruit. They saw that it was good. They saw that it was pleasing. They saw that it was desirable. Veían que el fruto era deseable. For what? For gaining wisdom. To be like God. To say, to dictate, to rule, and indicate what is good and what is not. Era deseable para adquirir sabiduría, ser como Dios y dictar lo que era bueno y lo que era malo. In effect, what they wanted and they saw and they desired was the ability for them to become king and queen of their own realm. Querían ser reyes de su propio terreno. What happened? Genesis 3, 7. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. En ese momento se les abrieron los ojos y tomaron conciencia de su desnudez. Por eso para cubrirse entre tejieron hogas e higuera. Their eyes were open and all of a sudden they determined that being naked was bad wasn't bad before because God didn't say it was bad, but they determined it was bad. Determinaron que el ser desnudo era algo malo. So what did they do? Covered up. You see what they're doing? They're starting to create their own kingdom. They're starting to create their own order. Están intentando crear su propio reino. Verse 8, versículo 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Cuando el día comenzó a refrescar, oyeron el hombre y la mujer que Dios andaba recorriendo el jardín. Entonces, corriendo a, corrieron a esconderse entre los árboles para que Dios no los viera. God's coming. Uh-oh. That was never an uh-oh before. It is if you're trying to create your own kingdom. And so they hide. Again, what are they trying to do? This is going to be our space. God can't get in this place. God can't get in this space. We rule here. Se esconden porque ellos quieren reinar en ese espacio. They flee. They separate themselves from God. Se separan de Dios. But God doesn't flee from them. He comes after them. He looks for them. Genesis 3, 9, the Lord God called to the man, where Are you? Dios el Señor llamó al hombre y le dijo, ¿Dónde estás? So again, we want to summarize what's going on here. At the beginning, we have God on the throne as the king. Dios está en el trono como rey. He's ruling over the perfect place with perfect people, with this perfect relationship with him, and with the ability to live forever. How could you ever improve on that? Yo reina sobre un lugar perfecto con personas perfectas en una relación perfecta. But when Adam and Eve sin, they lose that. It says in Genesis 3:23 that God banished them from the Garden of Eden. Dice que Dios los expulsó del jardín de Edén. It says also that after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. They're separated from eternal life. Luego el expulsar lo puso al oriente del jardín querubines y una espada ardiente que se movía por todos los lados y para custodiar el camino que lleva al árbol de la vida. So they lose this. They, they are kicked out of the garden, but really in a sense they self-ejected. 
They left Eden way before they left Eden. Se fueron de Eden antes de irse de Eden. And what do they lose? They lose the perfect place. They lose the perfect purpose. They lose the ability to live forever, and they lose the perfect relationship with God. They lose it all. Pierden el lugar perfecto, la relación perfecta con Dios, y la vida eterna. And the story, the rest of the story of the human race, if you want to have just the key to the key of the story of human history, Human history is all about our frustrating and incompetent and, and purposeless attempts to get back to Eden. Everything that's going on in our world is about trying to get back to Eden. Eden. La historia se trata de nuestros esfuerzos para llegar a Eden. And the Bible, what the Bible's trying to tell us in its big story is about how God then sets out with a plan to restore people to a relationship of peace with him and to bring them into eternal life in a place and a way that he rules over it. Dios busca tener una relación con paz y de paz y, y de vida con las personas. In other words, the entire story of the Bible is about finding and entering into the kingdom of God. La Biblia se trata de entrar y, en, y, y, y experimentar el reino de Dios. So, based on these first chapters of Genesis here, again, Patrick Schreiner has been very helpful in my study. He proposes a definition of the kingdom of God that I want you to remember. It's so simple and yet so profound. Uh, este hombre, Patrick Schreiner, propone una definición del reino de Dios. And I, this is a, a definition. I think it's spot on, and I think it's going to help us as we go through this series. So here it is. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is about the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. Se trata el poder del rey sobre el pueblo del rey en el lugar del rey. The kingdom is about God's power over God's people in God's place. Wherever you get those three things intersecting, you get God's power, his perfect rule, his people, his place. When that all comes together, guess what you got? The kingdom of God. Donde Dios reina sobre un pueblo con, en un lugar perfecto, ahí está el reino de Dios. That's what we're going to be looking for. Uh, I love this quote from Patrick Schreiner. Again, I'm sharing from him because there's just so much good information, so much clarity. He says, the kingdom of God is concrete. It's not just an idea. It's concrete. It's people. It's place. It's Jesus. It's the cross. It's the new heavens and the new earth. Reino de Dios se trata de personas, un lugar, Jesús, la cruz, los nuevos cielos y la tierra. And he says this, it's cosmic in scope. The kingdom of God is cosmic. It's great. It's cosmico en su alcance. And finally he says that the kingdom of God is the basic structure for understanding what the scriptures are all about. Es una estructura básica para entender de qué se trata la Biblia. In other words, the kingdom of God is the key 
that can help us to unlock the key of the scriptures. Not only so that we can understand better all the, the stories and the promises and the prophecies of God's written word, but really the kingdom of God becomes for us a way of, of encountering the king. Encountering the living word of God, Jesus Christ. El reino de Dios es la clave de la llave que nos abre no solo a la comprensión de la Biblia, sino una experiencia del rey, la palabra escrita que es, eh, viva que es Jesús. So, over the next nine weeks, I'm really excited about this. What we're going to do is we're going to take a journey all through the Bible. We're going to be looking at how the theme of the kingdom of God is traced all the way through the scriptures. And if we're looking for it carefully, I believe we can find it. Vamos a ver el tema del reino de Dios por toda la Biblia. In fact, I think that the kingdom of God is not just a thread running through the whole Bible. It's more like a massive cable. I mean, it is big. It's all the way through the scriptures. No es solo un hilo temático, es un cable temático. And so we're going to be looking each week at different, what we call biblical genres or types of biblical literature, different sections of the Bible to get a taste of how the kingdom of God is explained and, and is brought out in each of those sections. So we're going to be on kind of a fast journey through the entire Bible. Vamos a ver cómo, cómo este tema del reino de Dios está en todo tipo de, de literatura bíblica. And again, my hope in this is, one, yes, I don't want people to be frustrated when they open up the key. I want you to understand what the Bible's all about. Quiero que puedan usar esta llave, but even more importantly, I want us to begin to grow in our experience of God's kingdom every single day. Espero que podamos experimentar el reino de Dios cada día. So, as we do this, over the next few weeks, I want to ask a couple of things of you. I want to invite you to do two things, to read some scriptures each week and to answer a few simple questions. And we have a bookmark that is found outside at the entrance. I want to invite you to pick one up. This will be for the next three or four Sundays. Tenemos un marcador así. Each week on the top there, there's some weekly scriptures to read, not a lot, just we'll take a few moments. Hay textos aquí, and then on the bottom there's four questions to, to think about. Hay cuatro preguntas para meditar. First, where in this scripture do we see God exercising his power? ¿Dónde ejerce el poder de Dios en este texto? Secondly, where do God's people show up in this scripture and live under God's power? Or where do they fail to do that? ¿Dónde aparece el pueblo bajo el poder de Dios o no? Third, where is God creating a place for his power to be displayed through God's people? ¿Dónde crea Dios un lugar para manifestar su poder en su pueblo? And then the final question, which I think is the most important one, really, how can I participate in the kingdom of God this week? How can I as Jonathan said earlier, how can I be that person that is God's person in God's place with the power of God? ¿Cómo puedo participar en el reino de Dios esta semana? So the kingdom, again, it, it's three things, right? It's God's power. It's God's, say it with me, people in God's 
place. Es el poder de Dios, el pueblo de Dios en el lugar de Dios. Jesus summed it up very well in Matthew 6:33. It's a scripture many of us know. Mateo 6:33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Busquen primeramente el reino de Dios y su justicia, dijo Jesús, y todas las cosas les serán añadidas. Seek first the kingdom of God. Busquen primeramente el reino de Dios. That is the key to the key. Esa es la clave de la llave. So with that in mind, I also want us to be praying the kingdom prayer that Jesus has given us. It's called the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to invite Martin and the worship team to come up, and we're going to pray this prayer. I hope we can pray it often during this series, not only because of the one important line, but because I do believe this prayer gives us a vision of being God's people in God's place with God's power. So I want to invite you to stand. Quiero invitarles a que se pongan de pie. We're going to pray together the words of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave us in English and in Spanish at the same time. Vamos a orar el Padre Nuestro en inglés y en español simultáneamente. Y Martín nos va a ayudar con la parte en español. Yo voy a dirigir la parte en inglés. So those words will be on the screen if you need them. Maybe if we do this enough, you won't even need words on the screen and it'll be, it'll be in your heart as it is for many of us. So let's pray together. Vamos a orar juntos. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have called us to seek first your kingdom, to enter into something that is so huge and wonderful because the kingdom of God is really all about you, God. You are beyond our understanding. You are so greater than we could ever conceive. Nos invitas al reino de Dios, Jesús, porque tú eres más grande de lo que podemos concebir. As we take steps to understand more about your kingdom, I pray that it won't just be a head knowledge, but that it will begin to work its way into our hearts and into our hands, that everything we live for and everything we're about from day to day is about seeing you show up through us in the places of our world that so desperately need you. Que podamos aprender a expresar tu reino, tu poder en nuestra vida, en los lugares oscuros del mundo que tanto te necesitan. We ask this and we pray your kingdom come, que venga tu reino, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. In the name of the Lord Jesus, our Rey. All God's people said, Amen.